Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Night fans. So sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon in Partners for the Injured. Hello, Night Nation. Trace Relko here. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. Happy homecoming, everyone, to you, Adam, and to the reigning cow of the week. Hello, Mike. How's it going, guys? Just ducky. <laughs> ducky. That was ducky. <laughs> ducky. Gotcha. gotcha. Ducky. Trace, I thought you were going to ask me to tell you my name and the position I played. I was, I was prepared uh, for you today. <laughs> Uh, you're making fun of the media day uh, for uh, for men's and women's basketball. Well, a lot of guys, we got to get to know all of those interviews on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. Mike, are you heading up? I left off on the podcast this week that you were. Uh... No, there was no eh about it. I'm not coming. I, I told you guys I'm not coming. I'm cow of the week for it. I'm just not making the trip. I'm staying home, saving a few bucks. Wow, you're in that J.P. Gilbert uh, playbook, aren't you? Jeez. You'll be embracing the agenda in no time. Adam, you're going to come up, though. We'll, we'll I will be present right and accounted for. Can't wait. Full family? Full squad. Is that bubble machine going to be out there for the kids? Uh, that I know. I did see jerks. that. It, it is on the timeline. I expect to see you there again, Trace. We had one of those for one of my daughter's birthday parties. You better hose them down. How are they going to go into the stadium? They're going to be covered in bubbles after that? Uh, I might cool them down a little bit. All right, right before we go on, you know, this I, I want to start programming this Suns Plus behind the paywall because that's when the salty language comes. Mike, let's start with you. What's your final thought on UCF losing 34-13? I thought I'd be at the acceptance level by today. I'm still stuck on angry. I'm still very angry about last week's game. It's going to take a win this week for me to get over that. And now this week's game is a must win because of that game. If we win that game, this week's game would just be a driver's seat game, you know, fighting for home field in the championship game. Now this is must win. We have to win this game. We have to win the game against Tulane later down, uh, down the road. Adam, any positive? There's no positive, right? Except Colton Boomer uh, kicking game against ECU. Everything else that could go wrong really did. Yeah, the only positive is probably Colton Boomer. I like Mike. I don't know if I'm angry. I'm, I'm frustrated because I think we know that this team can play better than we saw. And a lot of it was self-inflicted, an early drop, uh, a, a, just a rash of turnovers, you know, not being able to get off the field on third down on defense. It just is frustrating because we, we see the ceiling for this team. And then to go out there and, and feel like you're not focused, you're not ready to play. That's probably the most frustrating part about it. So hopefully this is a, a good wake up call. And I think we said that after Louisville, too, though, for Gus to you know, kick somebody in the ass and say it's time for us to go out there and start playing better. But it was frustrating to see us us look unprepared, us look just just disinterested early on. And then at that point, it was just too late. We couldn't catch up. So hopefully this is that wake-up call moment for the team. Yeah, the two things you talked about it out of Monday's press conference availability with Coach Malzani talked about the energy level not being there and he talked about ECU playing with more tempo. And both of those were, I thought, troubling lines from him. Uh, why were they not better prepared for the game? 
that feels like coach peak. I think we're all smart enough to know that he's, he's sending some sort of a message to his team on that one, right? He's falling on the sword saying, I got to get him better. I got to get him prepared better. I got to get better energy. That's coach peak. I think that's meant to get back to them. There's probably a hidden meaning behind that. Um, so I think that's the part that we won't know about, but it, it is, if that's true, it is definitely was troubling to hear a coach admit, Hey, I didn't have my guys ready. You don't hear that a lot. I know you love, a lot of people love to hear the honesty, but I, there's also some point of, of negligence and uh, that, that borders on negligence from a football coaching standpoint. You only get 12 of these a year. You get eight in the conference. Every one of them is a big game. You can't tell me one of these conference games, you, you didn't get up for it. That's a bad excuse. So sold out bounce house, Cincinnati coming in. They got the one loss at Arkansas in week one. They're perfect in conference play. All that talk that they'd lost all these guys to the NFL. There was going to be a significant drop off. That's still a top 20 team. I asked on my poll question this week, Knights five and two, where do you expect them to finish with five games left in the season? Uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Mike, how do you vote? You know, I predict us to win every game before the season. Every starts. year, every yeah. year. Yes. And, I, and I feel that way when I look at the schedule. I don't see a team on the schedule that is better than us when the season starts. But now as the season's gone on and you, it's two years in a row now, we have these losses that are unexplainable losses sometime. Last year, Navy. This year, we thought we were the better team against Louisville and East Carolina, and we've already lost two. I can't confidently say we're going to win the rest of our games and win 10. Right now, it's going to be looking like eight or nine wins. Yeah, at this point, I, I can't confidently say we can go and win on the road, right? We just haven't seen a Gus Malzahn team outside of Temple win a road conference game, right? Like, I, I need to understand if we can go win at Memphis. You know, can, can we actually do, can we go win at Tulane? God forbid we lose to the Cows. Like, I need to see if we can win on the road in, in conference because that has not been a, a strength of, uh, of Gus from that standpoint. So I, I'm probably with Mike. Give me that eight, nine category, probably closer to eight uh, at this point um, because that, that road issue seems to really be an issue. And then if eight wins is that progress, right? They finished eight and four last year. They get the bowl win in Gasparilla Bowl over Florida. And you come back with eight wins. And I don't know what we get with this team. You're talking about the road. They've been pretty dominant at home. What is it, 30 and three with a loss to Louisville this year, Cincinnati, Tulsa in the 2020 COVID year. But Cincinnati, uh, they lead this all-time series 4-3, three straight wins. Big game. They're both going into the Big 12 this is a, a not only a, a potential knockout game for UCF in terms of a conference championship, but also sending a message uh, going into the Big 12. Yeah, this feels like a rubber meets the road game, right? This is our opportunity to, to sort of put our, 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 our foot, um, you know, firmly on the ground and say that we are here and that we belong. Mike and I talked about this on the podcast. There are, there are players on this team that have never beaten Cincinnati, right? There are, there are guys who are in their senior season that could leave after this year without a win against Cincinnati. And that just, that's something that as a program, we've got to continue to find ways to, to beat these teams. I know we got close a few of those years, but we, we cannot continue to let that happen. Um, and, and I think a lot of it goes back to the home crowd. Um, Trace Brandon's with us in the chat. He's got a, he's got a little video here. Hold on. Let's see if I can pull this up and play this for you guys. This is, this is what we need. Uh, just a bunch of yelling at this point, but you all remember that crowd and how much that hyped up. Uh, you know, the uh, the team in that 2018 game. Uh, we, we need to see one of those crowds and we need to see one of those performances, I think, for for us um, to, to really kind of put our foot down in this game. But we, we can't we can't drop four in a row to Cincinnati. That, that can't happen. This is rubber meets road. As much as we pat ourselves on the back for our performance as a crowd that night, remember, Cincinnati still converted a first down. They drove all the way down the field, punted, and then scored first on us. We were down 7 nothing. But the difference was that our team in 2018 was a championship team. They got over that. Is this team able to do that? Can they handle adversity? We're going to find out this week. Head coach Gus Malzahn with high praise of Cincinnati and head coach Luke, Luke Fickle, and he talked about them earlier this week. It's hard to win on the road in college football, much less this league. So, you know, they have a winning culture. Uh, it's impressive to watch, and it's a good challenge. It's one of the best teams in college football, but we're playing at home, and, and I know our players are, are looking forward to a game like this, and so it's – Two conference rivals, and ought to be a good one. Ought to be a good one. Should be a top 25 matchup, if not for ECU. Should be game day 
posting uh, by UCF, but that didn't happen, of course. Uh, this comes uh, just a couple of days after new Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark visited the campus and uh, spoke with the media on Wednesday. One in the room with the first question, as always, is Brandon Helwig. Let's bring him on now, publisher at UCS Rival Site. Been covering the night since the late 1990s. A veteran now of these live streams as he does them in the dungeon. Brandon, welcome into Sons of UCF Live. Great to be here. I think it's the first time I've been on Sun since I decided to put some stuff on my wall. It was it was pretty empty before, so glad to be here again. All right, so Brett Yormark, um, a big difference from uh, Mike Oresco. He carries himself with a different level of confidence. His business background and other experiences, that's what he brings to the Big 12. Yeah, you know, and this was interesting because he's been going on all these campus tours and I feel like UCF was the last one. I think that uh, he had not yet to visit. It was supposed to be a few weeks back. It was postponed and uh, yeah, it was, it was good. You know, it's, it's kind of a dog and pony show a little bit. All these schools, you know, they have them, you know, come in, they have all their, you know, social teams, video teams. They have cheerleaders as he walks in the lobby of these places. That's, that's kind of how they've all done it. So it was interesting. Uh, you know, I, I kind of got the sense and, and I don't know if Trace, you might agree with me. I don't think he really knows much yet about, about UCF. Uh, I sort of thought, you know, we had a little press conference with them. I don't know. It was about 20 minutes or so. Um, you know, whether he knows a lot or not, I thought he would have had a few more talking points ready to go. Cause he was going to be asked about, you know, specifically about what he learned about UCF and kind of. You know, I, I thought he was going to say a little bit more than he did. I, I did watch his press that he did, I think, after Cincinnati. I think I watched BYU, uh, BYU TV. He did something on there. I, I know I've watched other uh, interview sessions he's done. So he didn't say a whole lot about you. Said, you know, just, I mean, he said he was, you know, impressed. And, you know, obviously he's excited about expanding the footprint, you know, getting into the state of Florida with the Big 12. But it, it was fine, you know, just uh, you know, he definitely has a, a lot more charisma and, and bravado than I think any other conference commissioner right now. All right, Brandon, let's get the ECU questions out of the way. I got one for you, and then, then we'll move on to our, our, our regular scheduled programming. Uh, a lot of talk on the offense, a lot of talk about the turnovers, right? Obviously, we know what happened there. For, for me, though, the defense was really surprising in that they were not able to get off the field, um, had some, some consistent issues getting, uh, getting third down stops. Corners were left on islands and gave a big place. We've seen this defense be stout. They've carried us probably for the last, like, what, 10, 15 games, if you go back to last season. Do you think what we saw against ECU is a concern of yours, or is that just an aberration, just an off night for a, for a unit uh, in, a, in a kind of random road game? Yeah, I wish I could really answer that because it's just one of those things where, you know, you know how we, we saw the early part of the season go, you know, you play you know, a team that's, you know, you know, lower level in UCF, a team, you know, like an FAU, you know, obviously everyone looks good. The, the defense, the thing is, the defense had been consistent pretty much every game, you know, at least red zone wise, they'd allow their guards. They'd always allow the first drive or so to, to march down the field. But other than that, the defense had been solid. So I, I think I'm less worried about the defense, I think. Uh, as far as the ECU, I think Holden Aylers had the game of his life. I mean, he was due for that. I mean, that was the game of his career. He's been there five years. I don't really know of, of any bigger win than he had, you know, beating UCF. So he was due for that. That was a second to last home game at ECU. Ha happy for him, whatever. I'm not that worried about UCF defense. It's just the offense right now. It's just been so inconsistent up and down. I think, you know, second half against SMU, that full game against Temple, I think, you know, everyone's getting real confident. They finally figured it out. O-line's looking good. John Rice put it together. He's reading the field. He's reading the defenses. He's dis distributing the ball where it needs to go. You know, they want to take take away the run fine. John Rice can throw it. You know, and now now we're sort of back, I feel like, where we were, you know, after Georgia Tech where we're like, you know, can 49 yards win a football game? I don't think it's going to be that bad. But I just – I don't know. I, I'm just very interested to see how this game goes. Uh, as you guys said, it's obviously a must win. And, you know, I'm just I'm getting jacked up for it just because, you know, I was what, you know, last night I was thinking about that 2018 game. And I'm like, yeah, I remember how loud it was. I think I had video of that. So I'm pulling that off and I'm like, I'm getting excited because, you know, that's really the last time really UCF truly hosted Cincinnati because 2020, <laughs> that doesn't really count. And uh, I'm just getting jacked up. I, I think Cincinnati, I'm not taking anything away from them. Uh, obviously, they they still have a very excellent team, you know, coming back. They lost a lot of guys to the NFL, whatever. But they've. They've just skated and they've won the games other than the season over against Arkansas. They've won them. But I mean, this is a team that beat what South Florida by by four points. They beat yep. SMU over the weekend by two points. They beat Tulsa by ten points. I mean, they're not they're not knocking the doors off anybody. So I, I think it's kind of the, the perfect storm. I, I, I think UCF's gonna 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 rebound, but 
I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens on Saturday. You're as connected to this program as anybody, Brandon. Coming off that tough loss the other day, is there any finger pointing going on? Anybody blaming each other? How's the locker room right now? Well, you know, I, I'm not in that locker room, so I'm not exactly sure about that. Uh, I, I think I think the fact that this offense has put it together, you know, in the two previous games that, that there would be less of that happening. I sort of felt like maybe that would have been more of an issue early in the season when, you know, receivers – weren't getting the ball and they kind of maybe wondered, are we ever going to get the ball with this quarterback yet? Kobe Hudson disappeared for a couple of games, uh, you know, nagging stuff or whatever they called it. And, you know, Javon Baker, you know, uh, hopefully he comes back healthy, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't think so. I, I think it's just one of those things where, you know, everyone just, you know, trap game. I think Trace kept on bringing up the other week, trap game. <laughs> I guess it was. And, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, Everyone now they know it's it's Cincinnati. I'm you know I'm kind of glad that it's Cincinnati and not you know Tulsa or just random team you know in the AAC this week. I think the fact that it's Cincinnati and it's at home is gonna you know that got everyone to forget last week pretty quickly because they know what they got to do and they know how much the narrative can change if they can beat Cincinnati. But we heard again from Coach Malzahn during his Monday media availability that John Rice Plumley, you know, he hasn't played quarterback much. He's still learning, and it seems like through seven games now that that line is getting to be a bit old, right? Uh, and, yeah. and we still don't know what we're going to see. You mentioned these opponents, SMU, I give credit to, but the others were really inferior in comparison to what the Knights have in terms of talent. This is a big game now for the Knights, and none of us really know which John Rice Plumley we're going to see. And this is this is a good defense. This is the best defense UCF's probably going to play to this point. So, like I said, you asked me a minute ago, what are we going to see? Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I would I would hope they they figure things out. But you know, when you play defenses with the pulse, that's that's when this quarterback and this offense seems to to kind of fold a little bit. And you know, I, I just hope they got it out of their system. You know, uh, the energy that wasn't being matched or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I tend to agree with Adam. I think that was more coach speak more than anything else. I mean, I, I don't know if you really recognize that in real time. I just think it's something you say in a press conference a few days later when you're trying to, you know, you know, take, take the heat for the loss. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm not totally sold on this Cincinnati team. I know they're still one of the best, you know, they're going to be near, they're, they're a top two or three team in this league. I, I, I still think the top three teams are, are UCF Tulane and, and Cincinnati, but it just kind of depends on this offense, getting, getting themselves together and figure things out and, and, and finding a way to, to beat teams that have a pulse. Cause that hasn't happened this year. All right, Brandon, nobody uh, closer to the program than you over the years. Do you consider Cincinnati to be a rival? Is, is this a rivalry between Cincinnati and UCF? Uh, Yes and no. Uh, I mean, yes, and the fact that, you know, I, I feel like everyone would agree that UCF and Cincinnati have kind of been the class of the AAC, at least, you know, going back to 2017. Uh, obviously, it was UCF first. And, and, and I kind of feel ever since that night in Cincinnati in 2019, um, forgot how many turnovers or how many interceptions uh, Dylan Gabriel threw. But, you know, ever since that game, it's just, you know, it's, it's all about the it's all been about Cincinnati that, that UCF hasn't been able to, to get back. And at that point to kind of be thought of as, as a, you know, the prime contender in the, in the league. Um, so, you know, the, the fact that, you know, there's a little bit of a, I know Luke fickle was asked this question in his press conference and, and he said, yes, because, you know, he remembers in his first season when he took over in 2017, um, I know UCF scored a touchdown on every possession. They didn't punt the ball. Uh, it was at 56-21, something like that. 56-21, there was this big storm front coming into Cincinnati. And for some reason, the game was starting at 8 o'clock, and they wouldn't move it up an hour or two because he knew this storm was coming. And so the storm came, I guess, after the third quarter had ended, and it was going to rain for hours on end. So because the game had such a big lead, they they caught it. You know, So the fourth quarter was not played. And for someone extremely competitive like Luke Fickle, he's never going to forget that. Experience. So I know to him it's a rivalry I, I i think it is but it's not it's never gonna be like a regional rivalry i mean maybe it'll it'll get there you know i don't know you talk about teams that you know florida tennessee aren't necessarily that close to each other but that's a big rivalry in the sec i mean yeah it's sort of a rivalry but you know i mean how many cincinnati i mean other than like twitter people i mean do you know any cincinnati fans like in real life like i i don't <laughs> i mean i don't know um 
you know. But don't you root goes, for the Bengals? You root for the Bengals. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a Cincinnati pro sports fan, just kind of grew up that way. But, you know, I don't really know any, like, UC Bearcat fans in Florida. I don't know. But the fact most schools are going to the Big 12, it's going to be a league where you're not going to have natural rivalries. You know, I don't know if Cincinnati and West Virginia, just because they're a little bit closer together, might have a chance to develop something. But I think the fact that these two schools, I'm sure, will probably play every year from this point forward. Yeah, I think it can be become more of one. It's, it's a minor rivalry. Rivalry, maybe is what I'm trying to say. After every game, we look at the box scores and we kind of say, hey, Johnny Richardson only got two touches this game, or O'Keefe only got the ball this many times. Are there too many mouths to feed on this offense? I know Plumlee's got to get more consistent, but how many guys can we make happy on this team? Yeah, you know, and that was, I don't know if it's if concerns the right word, but I mean, that's just something that I was thinking about, you know, even before the season started. There, there's so many guys who who want to get the ball, and are they going to be happy on a game-to-game basis? And if they're not happy, maybe they'll hit the portal after this season. We'll see. I, I feel like in the case of Johnny, it seems like R.J. Harvey is, is kind of taking those those reps, those carries, you know, as the season has gone on after R.J. didn't really play at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, it seems like Isaiah Bowser is going to play regardless. Um, he's obviously going to see uh, most of the action. Uh, he's going to start. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I, I'm not sure how Ryan O'Keefe disappeared. I know he had, you know, a drop or so uh, against ECU, but, you know, it's been tough. Other than that Temple game and maybe the, you know, last part of the SMU game, there hasn't been, you know, oh, FAU a little bit, but, you know, an offensive performance where you felt everyone made plays, everyone got to touch the ball. We, we really, you know, hopefully we see it on Saturday. Not that Coach Malzahn seems inclined to make any sort of change at quarterback, but should there be a reason? Where do you stand on this? Who comes in? Injury or, uh, you know, needs to be spelled, loses his helmet for a play. Who Who's the guy uh, that, yeah. that comes in? That's an interesting thing. I mean, they've already used the four games for Thomas, and I feel like I think everyone would agree that if anyone is the future at UCF quarterback, it's going to be Thomas Castellanos. That being said, I think they were strategically holding Mikey Keene uh, to, you know, for the meet or, or the latter part of the conference schedule. And I think they wanted, you know, I, I mean, I mean Gus even alluded. Gus was actually more candid on this than I thought he was going to be. I think he was asked this, was it last week? He was asked something about it. And, you know, I think, I think he made a comment about trying to do right, you know, with, you know, he was alluding to playing in the four games and being able to retain your red shirt. So, um, yeah, I think it would be Mikey. I think if there was an injury or something like that, I think it would be Mikey. I think they're going to try hard not to burn Thomas's red shirt, but I don't. I don't think they want to play Mikey more than four games either. Was it like there's, you know, I guess there's what five games? You know, it could be a conference championship bowl game. You know, there's a few more games than that, but I'm pretty sure it would would be Mikey. But I know the question was asked, and people were like, "Oh, why didn't they put in Mikey?" You know, against. ECU, but I mean that you know that game was still close at half. You know they came; it was a seventeen to ten game early in the second half, and you know I, I don't think it really would have been any different if the, you know by the time the, the game was decided, they just would have wasted the game putting in Mikey. I mean, so you know I, I I agreed with the with the you know the strategy of rolling with JRP and seeing what happens, but yeah, I do think to answer your question that it would it would be Mikey going forward. All right, Brandon, the uh, the UCF AAC uh, farewell tour began, obviously, with ECU. Uh, road games, Tulane, road games, Memphis, and obviously against the Cows. You've been covering this team for a long time. I assume you've been to all these stadiums, all these cities. Which one uh, ACC city or AAC city we're living behind that you're going to miss the most? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I would probably say Memphis. Um, yeah, de- definitely Memphis. That's, that's actually sort of, you know, that's on a similar scale that I would say in terms of, yes, about a rivalry with, with Cincinnati, I would say there's a little bit of one there as well with Memphis, just, you know, there's conference championship games, you know, there's back-to-back years. And it's the fact that they were pretty good, you know, when UCF was, was in their run there in 17 and 18, but yeah, it's, it's always a fun place. I mean, I got some personal connections. I got some family in that area that I always visit and, you know, the Liberty bowl, you know, there's, there's some good memories there from, you know, 2010 Liberty bowl, just beating Georgia in that stadium, you know, and obviously a lot of, you know, memorable games against Memphis. Uh, I think I remember that 2013 game when, you know, uh, staying back uh, about knocked out, you know, the, the kick returner and has forced the fumble. And I think Drico Johnson picked it up and scored. And then I think Terrence Plummer had a couple of interceptions in the end. There's been some crazy games and, uh, uh, and the, uh, yeah. Um, uh, the uh, let's go bone um, that game in uh, 2018. <laughs> right. And uh, 
all of a sudden it was like what fourth and, and one or whatever it was. And they give the ball to Taj McGowan. Like no one would have ever expected them to go for it. And they, he took it all the way for a touchdown. So there's been some fun games. That'll probably be the one that I miss the most. I'll tell you the one that I will not miss at all. And that's Tulsa. I will not miss Tulsa one bit. I was ecstatic, ecstatic when the schedules came out and I realized UCF wasn't going to play Tulsa these final two years. So I am happy about that. All right. The Malzahn era, the first two years, already a bunch of tough losses last year. Obviously, Louisville Navy was a really bad one. A couple of blowouts, SMU and Cincinnati. This year, again, a couple of tough ones. When you factor in the fact that we lost college game day last week by losing to East Carolina, is that the worst loss so far in the two years? Uh, I mean, if, 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 if you say if, if game day was on the line, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, you know, you lost to Navy last year. That was but I mean, come on, you, there's so many injuries and, you know, you didn't know what to expect at quarterback. And, you know, they were still doing their shenanigans by putting in Joey Gatewood towards the end of the game. I still feel like maybe that, you know, hampered their chances to win that one. But, yeah, I would say with what was on the line and what was expected, because I feel like the expectations after Dylan got hurt and the injuries, the expectations were just nothing. We're just just see what we could do to kind of salvage it and get ball eligible. I felt like those were the expectations last year. Uh, with the true freshman quarterback this year, the expectations are to win the conference, you know, and, and losing the game at ECU. I know they're, you know, a little bit better than some of these other teams. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. That's the most disappointing loss so far. Let's uh, wrap up with this before long early signing day will be here. What's the skinny on recruiting? What's your sense of things going into that? Oh, my sense of, of recruiting is that uh, we have no idea what's going to happen. And, and by, by that, I mean, it's going to be really crazy here once the season ends to that early signing period, just with recruiting and transfer portal. Cause they're going to have that transfer portal window and, and UCF doesn't have a ton of commitments, but it's like 11, 12 right now. And you know, they're saving spots for the portal and we're going to find out who from this team is going to go in the portal. We're going to find out, you know, players that maybe UCF maybe recruited a year ago and went other places. Are they going to be in the portal? We're going to find that some schools decide, well, you know, we feel like maybe we want to get some high school guys and, you know, this whole NIL stuff now with collectives and, and offering deals and, and well, offering money to players to, to commit to them. I and mean, that's basically what it is. We're going to see what happens. I know John Walker, who's committed to UCF. I mean, right now, I mean, he's he's committed to UCF, but he's going to be in – he's still in high demand. Schools just – they don't stop recruiting because he commits someplace. So he's going to get, you know, NIL offers at some of these, you know, places like Florida. They haven't ceased recruiting him. So it's going to be interesting. I guess I, I really don't think really what – it's going to be crazy. I'm going to say it that way. It's going to be a really crazy early part of December once we decipher and figure out all, all what's going on. We have a, a lot of overlapping audience here between folks in the dungeon, folks that watch Sons of UCF. Now's a good time to jump into the dungeon. A little plug here for UCFsports.com. How can folks find you? Yeah, well, yeah, you, you mentioned it, UCFsports.com. Uh, that's been on my site for about, uh, well, 20 plus years now. UCF Sports is the uh, the Twitter handle as well. And, uh, you know, I kind of feel like you know, we talk about the the, the, the uh, dungeon. That's the name of our message board. That's kind of our, you know, UCF-centric message board, social media, so to speak. So we have a lot of fun on there. I have a lot of longtime members. Always enjoy those game threads when, when everyone's having meltdowns and stuff. We got to- UCF fans, meltdowns? Ah. <laughs> well, they do it everywhere. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, that's a fun thing. We got a coverage realignment thread that's I think three hundred plus pages going. So it's a it's 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 a it's a good time there. All right, let me hit you with one more hard hitting question: Skyline Chili or Carolina Barbecue? You're the food critic uh, for UCF, so uh, if you got to choose one. You know what? I haven't had Skyline Chili since I was a kid. I, I entertained getting some on my last trip to Cincinnati, but just couldn't stomach it the, by the way it looks. <laughs> I had Carolina Barbecue. I had Sam Jones Barbecue, which was, I guess is one of the better places. It was okay. It was all right. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I had Parker's one time at ECU. It was terrible. I wanted to spit it out. Um, Sam Ellis was fine. So Other than right, that, you loved it. You loved the yeah, hush puppies I, there. Yeah, they look like something else. Um, I will go with <laughs> Eastern North Carolina barbecue over that whatever the heck they put on noodles. That cheese, that just eh, that doesn't look good. What's your go-to in Memphis? Where must fans go when they go up to that game in a couple? Well, weeks? I mean, you know, people. There's there's the two that people know about. There's Rendezvous and there's there's a Corky's. Uh, my favorite. Um, I would say is um, uh, the Germantown Commissary. It's a little bit of a drive if you're downtown. It's in Germantown, which is past East Memphis. But the Germantown Commissary is probably my favorite barbecue spot in Memphis. 
There you go. You heard it from the man himself, Brandon Helwig, publisher at UCFSports.com, the rival site. Brandon, see you out at the stadium Saturday. I will see you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Thanks Brandon. No one knows more about UCF sports than Mr. Helwig. Well, I got to tell you, uh, uh, Aaron, our next guest is in the chat. He was uh, vehemently booing Brandon's chili takes. Uh, I was going to bring him in, but I didn't want to ambush Brandon like that. So uh, Aaron was not a fan of uh, Brandon's chili takes. So just take notice, Helwig. Mike, where are you at on some of these topics? Uh, if you had uh, Skyline Chili, if you had uh, Carolina I've never Park. had Skyline Chili. There used to be one close by here. It's shut down now. I don't even think there is one in my area, I, and I've never had it. So I couldn't tell you. All right, you mentioned our next guest. We're going to get to know a little bit more about the Bearcats. Let's welcome in Aaron Smith, covers Cincinnati for Bearcat Journal. Aaron, welcome back to Sons of UCF Live. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks for having so, me. So what's your quick take? You don't, you don't, you think we're dissing that skyline chili? Uh, People don't appreciate it unless they're from here. It's, it's actually a Greek dish. If believe it or not, uh, it was, it was based in Greece. Um, n- no pun intended there. Uh, but it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's phenomenal. When you and what's on it, it's, it's got the spaghetti noodles. It's got spaghetti the, the noodles. Chili. It's got, it's, I don't know if you can call it chili, honestly. It's like a meat sauce. <laughs> um, and then, and then you can get your, uh, either cheddar cheese or habanero cheese. Um, depends on what kind of mood you're in. But there, now in that sauce, there's some cinnamon to that. There's a hint of cinnamon. Um, I believe there might even be chocolate. Um, Oh my goodness. Chocolate. I don't know. I've had this before, but I didn't know about the chocolate. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's this, the recipe obviously is pretty secret. But... So it probably looks better on the way out. Listen, I mean, I'm not ever worried about what I was looking on the way out. <laughs> if I ate like that, I wouldn't eat anything. Uh, Eric, let's talk about Cincinnati. I think most fans that follow college football, watch the AAC, certainly thought, okay, they lost a lot of guys to the NFL. There's going to be a pretty significant drop off. Hey, look, Cincinnati, top 20 team. What was your thought about that going into the season? What ex- uh, what drop off did you expect to him? Uh, there was absolutely going to be a drop-off. You'd lose Desmond Ritter. you lose eight more guys to the NFL. And I think there were even two more, two or three more that ended up on practice camps during the summer. Um, it's certainly going to be a drop-off. That said, Coach Luke Fickle and his staff have continued to build uh, three of the last four classes have been the best class that the school has ever recruited. And when you continue to stack classes like that, it's really hard to have a tremendous drop-off. So also you have Coach Luke Fickle and his staff at the helm. So that said, I mean, you kind of set yourself up if you're going to have this type of a drop-off to at least be able to reload more so than rebuild. Aaron, give us a scouting report on quarterback Ben Bryant. Obviously big shoes to, to fill with Desmond Ritter. How has he played so far? When has he had his best and where has he struggled this year? Uh, ben is maybe the one guy that I have seen in the quarterback room as this is his second stint in the Cincinnati quarterback room after taking a brief hiatus at Eastern Michigan. Uh, he's got, as far as Des Bryant goes, he's he's got that same kind of swag in that he his highs are not super high, his lows are not super low. And I think that's probably the, the best thing that I've heard coaches say about him. Um, he is not going to be a giant threat, much like your own quarterback with his legs. Um, but he's also not afraid to run the ball. I also don't know if he knows how to slide. Um, that said, he, uh, he does like to sling the rock, and these receivers definitely appreciate it for it. Appreciate him for that. Coming into this game, what are you most worried about as a Cincinnati fan? Is it maybe just playing in this atmosphere that's going to be there? Is it a player on our team, or is there some weaknesses on your team that you're scared of that we take advantage of? Well, we know that the bounce house is known as quite an environment, but Cincinnati has won there before. Um, Although homecoming, well played. Uh, I have people have asked why they would schedule homecoming against Cincinnati, knowing that it was going to be a tough game for both teams. And I, I think it allows you to offer your best haymaker. The emotions are going to be running high. You don't want to lose homecoming in front of your home home fans. It's an extra reason for people to be in the stands. And despite losing to East Carolina, um, I, I don't think there's going to be any give up in the fans for this team. That said, John Rice Plumley is a dual threat. And Cincinnati has struggled with dual threat quarterbacks this season. Um, as you've seen from both Tulsa uh, and uh, um, 
who else was it? It was oh South Florida actually, not not Tulsa. Um, South Florida and Arkansas to open the season. Um, so I don't, I'm I'm nervous about that. Jabari Taylor, uh, the senior leader on the defensive end, uh, is going to be probably a game day decision, and we'll see. Uh, as far as stopping the run, that's certainly something that this team has struggled with. Alabama was a, a glaring point, but this team's also only lost three games in three years, and those teams were SEC teams. So there's something to be said for that. Tell us about Ivan Pace Jr., the uh, the linebacker. Dog. He is an undersized linebacker, but he is a wrecking ball. Uh, his brother, Deshaun, has played here. Uh, this is his third season, I believe. Um, they went to school together, obviously. Uh, Ivan was smaller, ended up going to Miami, Ohio uh, for a couple of years and was the Mac player, defensive player of the year uh, for the Mac and has not lost a beat as people expected. There would be a drop as he went from Mac competition to a C competition. That's simply not been the case. Uh, he is everywhere and he is going to continue to be everywhere. And honestly, he will more than likely be a nightmare for both you this week and any other team that we play the rest of the season. Let's talk a little more about your running game. Charles McClellan has come in. Obviously, uh, Jerome Ford <laughs> leaves last year. McClellan seems like he's as just as much of a problem as Ford was last year. What kind of running back is, is he? Charles McClellan is a he's a he's a definitely a leader on this team. I believe this is his fourth season now with Cincinnati. Uh, he's actually given both his knees to the university as he's had to have both of them replaced uh, in his time at Cincinnati. And it's been a long road back for him to get to where he was an explosive runner again, but here he is. And uh, I've, I like to refer to him as not Chuck McClelland uh, short for Charles, but chunk McClelland uh, because he has gotten tons of chunk plays this season. And I, I can't believe I didn't think he was going to be, I, I even said it on a multitude of our shows, uh, I didn't think he was going to be a bell cow type back. I didn't think he was going to be the guy. I thought he's more of a change of pace back and he has proven me wrong. I've had to go back and apologize on our show because he, I, he, I was wrong. I was wrong, wrong. I think a lot of our fans interactions with Cincinnati fans have been on Twitter and we know how Twitter is. I, <laughs> you can't really vouch for fans that way, but the average Cincinnati fan, do they consider UCF to be a rival right now? Funny you mention that because Coach Luke Fickle did mention in his uh, presser on Tuesday uh, that UCF is definitely looking to be a, a growing rivalry. And it goes back to Coach Luke Fickle probably has a little bit of a bitter taste in his mouth for a game at the beginning of his tenure with Cincinnati that was called due to rain. And he didn't like that the game did not actually finish. And ever since then, I'm pretty sure he's probably circled this game every single year, and a big red Sharpie on the calendar. And it, it's continued to provide plenty of entertainment, be you a UCF fan or a Cincinnati fan. And I think that that's especially going to continue for years to come as both these teams graduate to the Big 12 together. Do you think they were going to come back in that game? Is that what I, you could have I, that. I mean, you ask a coach, you ask a head coach <laughs> if he thinks he can come back. He's not going to – no, we would have seeded. Like, no, that's not ever going to happen. Come on, man. <laughs> On that note, do they consider, do you fans consider West Virginia your chief rival in this new look Big 12? It's hard to say. Uh, with Bob Huggins being there on the basketball side, uh, there's definitely a connection there. And they used to be a rival back in the days of the, uh, the Big East, um, Conference USA. Um, but that said, I mean, we, we I don't know that the rivalry is still going to be there. I don't know that all the fan bases are going to care the same way that both Cincinnati and UCF fans are certainly going to care that that's not going to change. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, I guess wait and see. Gotcha. Let's wrap up with this. We've talked about offense, defense. What about special teams? Uh, where, where, where the Red Bearcats been this season in special teams? Special teams has been a rocky road a little bit for uh, the kicker that we brought in from Delaware, Ryan Coe. Uh, although last year, or I'm sorry, last week, he was five of six, setting the school record for most field goals in a game. Um, and uh, I, that may have even been his personal best. I'm not sure how he did at Delaware. Um, 
so he's he's definitely on the uh, he, he's trending up. Uh, the punter, on the other hand, had a, a conference record last week with an 84-yard punt. Um, he does have the Aussie-style uh, punt in his arsenal, um, and he uh, he's only a sophomore, but he is from Australia, as has this now the second punter in a row we've had from Australia. Um, but, yeah, I, I, he, I know that he definitely prides himself on trying to get it uh, 4.5 seconds in the air, 45 yards, and no return. I think that uh, teams are averaging one return yard uh, on the season against him. Um, so he's been pretty consistent. Was that a wind-driven punt? Did it get a good bounce? Uh, it was. Jeez. There, was, there were 30-mile-an-hour uh, sustaining winds down in uh, in Dallas this weekend. So uh, it was it was definitely wind-driven, but it – also went out of the end zone. I think he kicked when where he was actually kicking was from his own seven, and it went like that wasn't where the ball was snapped, but where he actually kicked from from the seven and it went past the uprights. Not bad. Let's end with this. Tell us more about Bearcat Journal because uh, no doubt UCF fans are we're going to be seeing a lot of Cincinnati in the years ahead. Yeah, Bearcat Journal. We've been a uh, we are hosted by twenty four seven Sports, uh, so you can find us at www.bearcatjournal.com. Uh, Chad owns uh, Chad Brendel. Uh, people are very familiar with from UCF with him. He is he, he likes to go at the fans. He likes to stir things up. He, he does. He, he's not one to shy away from fan interaction, good or bad. Uh, but but he uh, he owns the site, and he and I uh, host a multitude of podcasts. We have a Sunday morning podcast to kind of recap the game from the day prior. Uh, there's a Monday evening podcast where we have a former um, walk-on who joins us. Uh, we have a Tuesday evening podcast where we cover Cincinnati sports. We have a Wednesday evening podcast where we preview the upcoming weekend game. We have a Thursday night podcast hosted by two former players um, and, a, and a third host. Um, we have a nightly 20-minute podcast where we cover um, – anything Bearcats. Uh, we, you can check all that out on Bearcat Journal on YouTube, though. So what you're trying to say here is that Adam, Mike, and I aren't doing enough. We're, <laughs> That's we're what it sounds doing. like. We're, no, no, we're, we're just busy. I mean, content is king, right? I mean, wow. Wow. we all know. So. All right, Aaron Smith, we thank you for your comments on Cincinnati. I'd say good luck, but I wouldn't mean it. I know. Ex- I say the same thing to anybody I'm going against in fantasy football the same week. So <laughs> I, I will be down though. My flight leaves at 6 a.m. tomorrow morning. So I'll be there in the press box. I'll look you up. Be I'll safe. Yep. Thanks, Aaron. Thank Thanks, you. Aaron. Jeez, guys. I'm <laughs> doing enough. Holy moly. Uh, he's doing the Lord's work. That's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of podcasts. Yeah, this is their full-time jobs. Do we just need to quit our jobs? Is, is that the key? All right. Predictions on this one. Got a little bit on UCF. We know in Cincinnati, Adam, what do you got? Trace, I got 31, 30 nights. Somebody. <laughs> 31, 30. Let's see. Know. What's the cow of the week think? 31 nothing nights. How's that? That's that's better than 31 30. <laughs> what is this going to be like? The prices, right? <laughs> you go one <laughs> under, one over. You're not calling for a shutout. Shut them out. Why not? It's no, so, so we're not being serious in these predictions, is, is what we're saying. I'm right, going to go. 25 well, nothing. What do you want? I'm going to go 29 23 UCF mm. with, uh, with a win, but not a lot of. Not a lot of confidence in that one. Um, Before we open that mailbag, a couple news and notes. Mike, by the way, uh, when you lose to ECU, uh, the bowl games, uh, you get get lesser bowl games. Uh, Still, Yahoo's got UCF, North Carolina at Fenway. ESPN's got us against Texas Tech in the Armed Forces Bowl or Pittsburgh in the military. I still don't think UCF leaves the state of Florida, so CBS Sports got them against Coastal Carolina and Boca. And um, Action Network saying BYU in the Cure Bowl. That I don't think is ever um, go around the kingdom. The cure Bowl is going to happen or BYU in the Cure Bowl? Uh, neither of those. Uh, it's very possible we lose two more games. <laughs> you got to be like six and six, I think, uh, to be in that Cure Bowl slot. By the way, UCF not bowl eligible. Five and two, seven games in, not bowl eligible. All right, go around the kingdom. 
Women's soccer in the, the waning moments here with a 2-0 lead on the Cows over in Tampa. Donna Martin, goal at the 16-minute mark. Katie Bradley at the 65-minute mark. The women won the AAC regular season championship on Sunday. Uh, and congratulations to them for that. They will await where all of that uh, shakes out over the weekend in terms of seeding for the conference tournament. Uh, Knights 8-2-4, oh, 6-0-1, about to pick up three points in the war on I-4. UCF already leads that 3-0 thanks to volleyball. Uh, Kristen's got your AAC Offensive Player of the Week, second consecutive Defensive Player of the Week, Olivia Lewis. Volleyball, I mentioned, they are ranked uh, 25th. They swept Cincinnati 17-1 overall, 9-1 the AAC. Claudia Dillon, the AAC Offensive Player of the Week. Friday, they are at Tulsa. Sunday, they are at Wichita. Men's soccer, uh, shocker there. They beat number 13, Charlotte, 2-1. Then moved to 6-5, 3-4 in the AAC. One team in, one team out. Everybody else bunched up in the American Conference uh, standings. Uh, Gino Vivi, your Offensive Player of the Week with a goal and assist versus Charlotte. Friday, they are at Tulsa. Ugh. Volleyball's at Tulsa. Men's soccer at Tulsa. You heard, Brandon, I don't think anybody wants to go back to Tulsa for anything. And then Knights end the regular season. War on I-4 with the Cows on Wednesday. And then men's and women's basketball, media days, uh, kind of unusual in that uh, a late-minute scratch from head coach Johnny Dawkins. He expects to have a media availability before the November 7th opener. Uh, thanks to Adam for posting uh, those uh, one-on-ones with various players. Uh, Adam, as you've been listening to those interviews, it's it's interesting how player after player talks about the team chemistry. I sense a lot of me guys last year and not a lot of team guys. Yeah, it does feel like they're uh, they're enjoying the energy. I think Michael Durr said he, he's surprised how quickly uh, this group of guys has come together, even though they're kind of all from new places and new faces. So maybe there's a chemistry item here that kind of bonds this team together. I do this every year, though, Trace. I get excited. I'm like, maybe we got a team. Brandon Suggs is pretty good. Michael Durr's a big guy. I'm in love with Taylor Hendricks. This could be our year. And then I love Taylor Hendricks. Yeah. That, like, kid is, that kid is great, yeah. Taylor Hendricks. I mean, he's a, what a great kid. Uh, a couple of transfers, but hey, this is the time to be optimistic, and then uh, and then the season will get underway. All right, let's open that mailbag. Any walking talks this week? Negative, friend. No walking talks. We get a question about walking talks coming up. How about a little music? Got a little music in there. I I'm we're efforting. Efforting. At Captain One, is it the best course of action to avoid message boards after a loss like the ECU game? Or do you go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off, deal with the negativity now rather than wait? I will say that I don't delve into the message board. I will respond to people on Twitter, but uh, boy, the meltdowns in the message boards, in particular in the dungeon at UCSports.com, I, it's just too much for me after watching the game itself. What about you? I read. I usually don't post. So there's that. And you know what? I actually, I lied completely. Brian Peterson did absolutely send me a walk and talk that I did not use. He's absolutely right. I went well, it's because he's anyway. not on the text chain. Suns Plus. Suns Plus. Suns Plus. Check that out. Really, hasn't he earned a Suns Plus membership? We need to, we need to enlist Brian to help us. In, uh, is it because we don't have a lot of time in this show that we couldn't run? Brian's three-minute... Uh... <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I, with all due respect to Brian, I love you to death, Brian. He sent it on, like, Sunday, and I, like, filed it away, like, okay, I'll get to that later in the week, and then the later in the week came, and then, ah, here we are. And maybe I'm bullying Brian. I apologize. <laughs> Don't do that. You know, when you say something like that, it, it tends to haunt you for a while, is, is my experience. Say something like what? Whenever you bully Trace is bullying me. That was not a call for that. It was, I did call for music, but there was no call for the, no, no music. Uh, Mike, what about you? Yeah, into the message boards, you just avoid everything. Yeah, I stay away from the, the game threads all the time. I don't even look at them anymore. I stay away from Twitter. I stay away from everything, especially after a loss. I just want to get my mind off of it. So I, I haven't looked at any of that stuff. And to review, where are you at in the stages of, uh, of grieving over this loss? Stage two, stuck on stage two, anger. Uh, well, you're rolling right into that Cincinnati game, I see. How about this one for you, Mike, at the night UCF? Did we peak? Have <laughs> we peaked? I sure hope not. <laughs> if we peaked, this is going to be a, a tough next couple of months. You know, we, we haven't had, the last couple of years, we've kind of been out of the AAC race going into November. We I say this about the Giants the last five, ten years. I want meaningful football games in November. Let's go. Get the, get the win this week, and, and let's have fun the last few weeks here. That's right. Uh, at Corey SQ underscore PhD, is it fair to blame one player for a loss? I don't know. Who, who might that one player be? 
Corey. <laughs> I, I think it could happen. I don't think in this game you can blame one guy because there was just a lot of things that didn't that didn't you know transpire. In some cases, probably. I don't think this is one of them though. Do things change in this game? We talked about tempo for ECU, energy for UCF. If Jalen Griffin holds onto that ball early on. I mean, I hate to blame it on one guy. <laughs> and, and How about me singling him out? Especially that was early in the game. There was like, what, you know, 56 minutes of football left to be played. But, man, that whole game has a different vibe if we score off that play. It changes things a little bit, but it's not going to stop the defense or help the defense make any stops, but they couldn't do all game long. So it, it might have made things interesting early. Instead of 34-13, it would have been 34-20. to Got a couple of Thomas Castellanos questions. Our buddy Greg at Greg730. Is the rest of this season worth losing an entire year of Tommy at QB1 in the Big 12? Uh, meaning bring him in for a game. You heard Brandon say that he would think that it would be Mikey Keene. I, I guess that's what everybody thinks if it needs to come to that. F two letters, two words. Robert, if uh, UCF were to lose the possibility of winning a conference championship, what are the odds JRP gets benched in favor of Tommy so he gets some serious playing time? I think that is an interesting thread of topic that's come up in message boards and on social media this week. UCF loses this one, likely no chance at that conference championship. You just uh, pull the plug on the JRP experiment and go all in on Tommy. I don't think Gus does, right? Because the, the, the experiment is helmed by Professor Gus, right? So I think he's going to want to see his experiment through into the end. And if, let's say we went out in games and we're still, a, you know, what, a, a 10 and 2 team. He can still look back and say, hey, we won 10 games with a guy who hadn't played football and, and played quarterback in two years, right? He still has that over, over end. So I don't, I don't think Gus makes that call. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, if, if JRP had to go out for some reason, Tommy fits the offense better in terms of what Gus likes to do. I know he's already got the, you know, the four games. I know Mikey's a seasoned veteran. I, I just wonder if Gus wouldn't say, hey, I don't have to make that many changes if I go to Tommy. But I don't think he does that willingly unless there's something that happens to JRP. And again, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think he does it unless we're officially eliminated. So if we lose this game, I think there may be a team in the championship game with two losses, depending on what happens with Houston. But if we lose this game and we lose to Tulane, then, yeah, I think it's done. You start Tommy against uh, Navy. You start him against the Cows. And you start him in the bowl game. You get three starts there to get him ready for next year. Did we see a true freshman play against Navy last year? You want to see it again? Yeah, I mean, by that time, we're done. So, yeah, I do. Uh, got two questions. This first one, and then we'll end with one for Matt Dolly underscore drama. Is Gus's lack of media availability for his coaching staff and players hurting potential NIL earning opportunities? I think what he's referencing here is that um, – Gus makes his offensive coordinator, Chip Lindsay, defensive coordinator, Travis Williams, available the day after the game. And so when it's a Saturday game, it's a Sunday night at 7 o'clock media availability. And uh, as you know, UCF lost at ECU. And then that media availability was canceled. Don't know why. You draw your own conclusions on that. Uh, not available. What do you think? Does it hurt, um, uh, you know, NIL opportunities at all? Well, you know, Gus to stop wearing the cute shirts at the press conferences, right? I haven't seen any Isaiah Bowser fathead shirts in a while, so I, I don't know what to, what to read into that. Uh, look, I don't think this is any different than any other college program. A lot of programs want to have control over what their athletes do. I would say, though, if, if, if UCF wants to position itself as the future of college football, a place where you can come and make your brand and have your name out there and, and sort of be a, a forefront of the NIL movement, limiting access certainly goes counter to that. So you'd think that they would do something if they really want to position themselves in that space. I think he's just trying to protect his guys coming off this loss. Who knows what kind of questions we're going to get thrown at these kids. You don't want them to get caught in a bad spot, say something they shouldn't say. So I think in this case, he held them back a little bit. If we come out and beat Cincinnati, you probably see all those kids up there next week. At uh, SMR, a lot of tape out there on play calling and trends. ECU jumped some roots. Seemed like they knew what was coming at times. How are going to mix it up to keep Cincinnati guessing? I'll tell you what, they got a tough defense. <laughs> JRP and crew have their work cut out for them. Yeah, this, uh, this D-line is pretty good. And, and obviously, we heard from Aaron, uh, you know, Ivan Pace at the linebacker spot is pretty good as well. Um, it's interesting to hear uh, Aaron tell us that they struggle with kind of dual threat quarterbacks. I didn't know that John Rice was a dual threat per se, but if there are windows to be had, I mean, hopefully we can find those. That's the thing, though. Show of hands out there in the audience. How many of you are confident Gus can scheme up against a defense and, and find those wrinkles? I don't know. Have you ever noticed, by the way, this goes back to Heupel in particular, the opposing coach will say, or the, the UCF coach will say, they threw something at us, at us yeah. that we weren't expecting. I, I haven't heard Luke Fickle say that. 
<laughs> right? Didn't say. Uh, I never well, he's still mad about 2017 in a game that he called off. So I don't, I'm not yeah. sure if Luke Fickle is the guy that we want to. Yeah, he finds play. motivation in unique ways. At Steve, 84755071. Uh, who decides offensive personnel from play to play? Thinking wide receivers and running backs. Just wondering if it's Gus or the position coach. Everything is Gus. Right? Play caller? I mean, I, I mean, with think- help. With help, obviously, from assistant coaches. Before each drive, maybe he has input. Hey, this is a Bowser drive. This is a Johnny drive, whatever it is. I don't know if he's telling on, on each play who's coming in and out. He's got to give delegate some responsibility to these coaches, I would think. Uh, Adam, at Patrick Nurse, FTW. Will UCS offense this week be pass heavy, run heavy, balanced? Gus says balanced is what he's looking for. I mean, I think we have to use the run to set up the pass the way our offense is structured, right? Let let them kind of crowd the box and hope we can find a seam a la SMU. So I, I would think we'd be run heavy early and see if we can get them off uh, off schedule and try to pop one over the top. That would be my guess because I think Gus always wants to run the football. I think you got to be balanced. If they're going to come up and try to stop the run like everybody else has done to us, you got to be able to throw the ball early. The key to the game is get up on these guys early we cannot play from behind and i don't know how well they could play from behind either so we build up a lead get the crowd into it i think we can be okay at free sport travel coach blaming himself coach malzahn for the the team's energy and all of that how can a guy who's been coaching this long not have figured out how to get his team ready for a big road game Uh, i think it becomes a, a question that hangs over things obviously the focus is cincinnati but then memphis and tulane and and they're one in five that only win on the road to tulane it does make you wonder why they don't have the team better prepared for road games, right? It, it was a shocking admission, but again, I got to believe there's some sort of hidden message in that in that somewhere. There, there's something he's trying to deliver to his team through the media because um, I, I can't imagine a coach would come out and say, I didn't have my team energized. So I got I to gotta hope there's a hidden message there. Mike, at Lonely BUCF did allowing the worst real quarterback in the AAC to go 30 for 36 at Holt Mailers. Buy us another year of T-Well. Ah, I don't think that matters. T-Well's a hot coaching commodity. No, I don't think it buys us another year. If he finishes this year strong, now if, if we go in the toilet for the next five weeks, we may be stuck with T-Will for another three years. Who knows? <laughs> stuck. <laughs> At Spursy Night, uh, Ichi, what is the biggest adjustment needs to be made for Saturday's game? I, I will say this. They've got to perform on the offensive line. And, uh, you know, when Sam Jackson says during Monday's availability, they're still working on things from a communication standpoint. Uh, I mean, they're going to they're gonna face some guys, you know, this Ivan Pace. Uh, that's coming after. No turnovers. Get off the field on third down. I was distracted. My daughters both came in here. They're asking me a question. I had them write it down. I don't know what's going on over here. So, that's <laughs> at, at Black Gold, under, what do they ask you? What they ask you? I don't know. She's writing it down right now because okay. I told well, be that. sure to share that. Does she have is that a son's mailbag question or is that just directed <laughs> to you? I'm sure it has nothing to do with the show. <laughs> okay. well, I'm sure they watch at Black. Gold underscore at Cincinnati is two All-Americans on D. What is a Corleone? How do we stop the sack father? I don't know. I don't know. Do you? I mean. A, a sixth offensive lineman. <laughs> I mean, this is probably what we need at this point. Throw in. Throw in the German. Get Hold on, we got here. Mike here. Mike, Mike got an important update. What do we got? She likes to sleep with the TV on. She said not to turn it off because she has an alarm set. So uh, mm. that's the update. Okay. Um, how, how do we counteract the, the, the sack father? I mean, there's a, a screens is maybe the best way to do that. If you throw some screen passes, if they're getting a lot of pressure, you know, maybe you can burn them that way. All right, we end with this. Go back to Dolly underscore drama, asking if expletives are allowed for a possible walk and talk that he would uh, would like. Is that a son's plus thing, or where were we at on this? Uh, do we do we have a, a, a maturity rating when these gets released as audio? Uh, is this a family friendly well, show? Sons and maturity usually don't belong in the same <laughs> sentence. I say, come as you are, Dolly. You know what I mean, like. Brian Brian Peterson probably owes me a couple f bombs after missing his uh, his walk. And talk. What was his you know question what? about? Do you remember? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't. Was know it something was about extended warranties? I'm just I don't, asking. I don't I actually don't know. He may have said it in the email. Hold on, let me let me. This is riveting. Um, I will tell you that, that uh, UCF women's soccer has just beaten the cows two nothing. Uh, so the uh, the 22nd ranked Knights, uh, fresh off of winning the American Athletic Conference championship. Get two goals. They beat the cows. They extend their lead to six nothing in the war on I four rivalry. What do we got? The audio. Hold on. How did that get on the ground? (laughs) Hey, sons. Wild Bill. Brian W. Peterson here. How long is this thing? All right. All right. Why don't can we save this for next week? We 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 got. He's still walking. Hold on. 
All right. But Brian, we love you. We love you. Look okay. us up. Look up Adam and I. Mike uh, will be JP Gilbury at home. I uh, want to thank Brandon Helwig, UCF Sports.com, yeah. Bearcat Journal. What, oh, that wasn't a question. He was just giving us his thoughts. Oh, <laughs> okay. That sounds like good podcast fodder. Be sure and catch a happy Mike in the recap of the win over Cincinnati. A happy homecoming, everybody. Big spirit splash. If you can't make it down to watch the students dive into the reflection pond, be sure to watch it online. No doubt that will be streamed. For Adam and Mike, I am Trey Strolko. Happy homecoming, everybody. Go Knights! Charge on. Charge on. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.